Hello wonderful listeners, thank you for checking back in. I'm excited to be with you here today as always. It's taken a little bit to kind of pin myself to the chair um, to do this however as much as I'm glad to be here. Um, It's a busy time. I'm sure you're all feeling something very similar. Um, Even those of us who don't have a holiday or something to specifically Um, focus that busyness around this time of year for anybody in the northern hemisphere um, a certain desire to hibernation um, kind of kicks in with the cold Um, and if we are doing celebrating this month um, that unfortunately coincides with essentially a cultural requirement to get busier Um, one of my big comforts during this season is hallmark movies And this um, ticks a few of my happy boxes. Um, Firstly, Christmas. Anybody who's been working with me this month and a little bit at the end of November as well, let's face it, has had to endure my Christmas jumpers and Christmas earrings. Um, A few of you, I've uh, shown my my Christmas tree, my light-up Christmas tree that sits on my desk this season and makes me intensely happy I don't know whether it's the light or the colors or what the novelty I suspect because Christmas gives me an opportunity to um, decorate and even as I'm talking to you now I realize that so much of um, our experiences for many of us as TCKs right not all but for many of us um, switching up our immediate environment is one of the strategies we might use if we are in a particular chapter in a more settled time and uh, it gives novelty it changes things up in a really positive and controlled way Um, and yeah so the addition of sparkly lights makes me incredibly happy Um, but back to Hallmark movies Um, yes it's all things Christmas and I'm a fan Um, but I'm a fan of any opportunity to throw glitter at something and eat special food and feel cosy and celebrate. Um, But the Hallmark movie in particular gives me access to the American element of me, much the confusion of my nearest and dearest who have to um, cope with the fact that my accent becomes increasingly more American the more of the Hallmark channel I watch. But they are so American. <laughs> they are what I call a particular particular subculture, obviously, um, of the US. Um, and it's one that I lean into with fond memories of American peers growing up through my childhood. Um, and it's interesting as well to me that the Hallmark Channel has been so exported, um, like many of us, and so the particular Americanness that I'm seeing on the screen, I'm fully aware is a filtered um, and uh, particular subset of one way of being American filtered through a particular media, which was how I accessed American culture growing up. I never grew up in America. I grew up with American peers 
in West Africa. <laughs> so it gives me a kind of mirror a way of interacting with that culture this season and of course it's also about story and one of the delights and um well my daughter would say cringe elements of the hallmark christmas film is how incredibly predictable these stories are you've got very classic um scripts and characters and that's what I want to bring today is a consideration of story right it becomes like anything when encountered by my brain a a vehicle to explore how we engage with story and for many of you I'm hearing in this season a very serious slightly stressed re-engagement with the particular story of Christmas holiday visits with family with community um, at this time of the year. Um, and so uh, we're already in story. We're already considering the stories we have control over, the stories we don't have control over, the stories that people tell for us, and, and the very real stories that we will be telling of our lives to our extended family and to our communities around shared meals, um, or perhaps the, the lack of these stories that might give us grief and sadness, um, as well as those of us who just utterly delight in this season and um, dance around uh, as much mistletoe and (laughs) mince pies as possible. So in terms of the Hallmark stories, we have these kind of classic, (laughs) I'm wondering if how many of you I'm going to hear from about Um, the stories you pick up on but these are a few that I've observed you have typically a woman jaded by her city living and job um, who goes through some kind of transformative experience with country life and ends the film moving from suits to Christmas jumpers and hot chocolate Um, you have often a male hard-working widower who gives an awful lot to his community and doesn't have enough time for himself and needs a good looking after um preferably by the jaded female who discovers her nurturing side Um, then you have the sort of high school sweethearts that re-encounter each other at Christmas and fall in love all over again you also find very often the kind of pride and prejudice um, take of uh, Hallmark's take of of Austen's brilliant book um, where you have our heroes of the film Um, kind of chronically disagreeing about Christmas or fighting over it in some way and then coming together um, often by jointly putting the star on top of the tree in some kind of ceremony Um, and it's all good fun (laughs) but these are very predictable stories and they're repetitive and you know what (sighs) there's a safety in that one of the reasons I love watching these is because they're safe. I know exactly what's going to happen. Um, They follow predictable lines. And as a lot of us explore in our therapeutic work, um, our brains do something similar, right? They follow these predictable scripts. Unfortunately, unlike Hallmark movies, some of our predictable scripts feel less cosy than others. And I'm curious to hear... Um, in my clients, in myself, 
Um, and I invite you to consider this for yourself as you're listening to me today about the scripts that are really familiar ones to you in the holidays. These might be really big ones um, like homecoming um, from abroad, needing to make up lost time and compensate for absence the rest of the year, right? This is something a lot of um, people living uh, away from extended family um, can feel trapped in this kind of a story where they're perceived as... um, or they feel perceived, right? There's so much of these stories that go unsaid. We might feel resented for living somewhere, in air quotes, exotic, um, while perhaps parents are aging or um, other people are doing what might be seen as sort of normal life. And our absence can play on guilt when we are present. And we can end up feeling caught in a story of compensatory um, attention and love and needing to make up time, which puts a lot of pressure on. I don't really need to tell you this. You know it. If you're in it, you feel it. Um, So that's, that's one of many stories that can feel very familiar if we are in a particular cycle of absence and presence and and, and family dynamic. Another story might be around traditions that we carry during the season that we always eat this and we always attend that and we always see these people and um, that could be a story and we might have more or less positive feelings about that. Um, another story might be the sense of rushedness or expense um, or how impossible it feels to keep everybody happy um, There are many, many familiar roads our brain recognises and then leads us down um, when we have a kind of cyclical (laughs) time-based piece. I mean, a lot of us feel this around transitions, right? We feel a transition come in, there can almost be a sort of automation of how we handle that um, because we like familiar stories. But I want to just take time today to invite you to consider what yours are because if we can bring these stories that often operate very quietly in the back of our brains into a kind of consciousness we can have choices we can give ourselves more authorship um, our families will have stories about who we are that often come out in family gatherings and celebrations we might feel a sadness. We might find ourselves comparing our story to others. Um, I hear particularly people talking about quiet Christmases and busy Christmases. And those words might mean very different things depending on who is telling that story. Somebody might feel sadness with a quiet Christmas and some people might feel utter bliss. Um, the same with busy how we tell the story and how we feel about the story, it's worth paying attention to. There's also, of course, for for third culture kids, the potential this season for cultural expectations just being thoroughly confusing. Um, Why is it that we, our community, does things this way? Why is 
Auntie Bessie distraught that I didn't bring mac and cheese to the buffet. You know, why do these things matter? There can be a huge confusion, both culturally on a kind of macro scale, if we have a kind of cross-cultural family or we are doing Christmas cross-culturally, but also on a micro scale in terms of our family culture, where as we get older, as we build our own nuclear families and then we move out of our nuclear families of origin and they become extended families, there's this whole negotiation um, between them. Or perhaps we are older and without children. Um, And now what do we do with this season? What are the expectations on us here? Um, Personally, I deeply resent the idea that Christmas is for the children. Um, I swear I get more excited about decorations than my child does. And fine, Um, that's me. (laughs) I claim to have whatever relationship I want with this season. But culturally, we can often feel at odds. And that can be a deeply upsetting or triggering or familiar feeling for those of us who grew up at odds with our surroundings regularly. And then, of course, another story we might carry might be utter delight. I often get the sense that I'm playing at Christmas because what I'm doing as an adult bears very little resemblance to the Christmases of my childhood. Um, I remember many Christmases in West Africa where we didn't have a Christmas tree, but we had we would collect. um, I say we. I think this was um, spearheaded by my by me and my sibling, um, collected thorn branches, and then we would deliberately <laughs> glue cotton wool to these branches uh, in mimicry of snow, and insist that that was our Christmas tree. And so, the Christmas I live now is not nostalgic, not in that true sense of the word. Um, It's an entirely different kind of Christmas. And that gives me a certain sense of play with it. Um, And and a different way of defining it. In a sense, it's hard to get wrong because I've got no burden of history on me there. But it it can also mean that um, we're forging our own path and that can bring its own, own issues um, or, or even a sense of being a bit of an imposter. Um, personally, my style of celebrating is sort of excitable Labrador, so that works for me. Um, but it only works because I've I've felt able to freely do things exactly as I want, um, which is just a little bit extra. So what story do you land in? this season? What story are you observing yourself in? Are you dragging yourself through this season exhausted already? Um, Are you worrying about um, getting it right? That is a big one for us as third culture kids as well. Are we going to meet expectations? And then if we stay with the kind of hallmark movie trope for a second, what character are you playing in this story? There are very clearly defined characters in Hallmark movies and um, very few villains, actually, which is another reason I think I love them. Um, Because I find that when we have our stories 
that we tell of our own lives, there's often there's often a few villains and too often we are the villain somehow in our own story. We self-define as, as the problem, um, which is different from taking responsibility because a villain in the true sense is, is somewhat irredeemable. In the Hallmark world, of course, um, the villain is simply misunderstood and a bit tired and needs uh, marshmallows and hot chocolate to revive all the goodness in their soul. I like that version. <laughs> because I think in a, in a strange sort of way, I really believe that we don't get to have a story that's life-giving if we insist on villainizing ourselves as we tell it. So in what way do you see yourself telling a particular character of you? Are you failing? Are you irritable? Are you, how are you self-defining? And is there a way of dumping a boatload of compassion on that character? How can you metaphorically hand them hot chocolate and give them a hug? Because this is your character in your story. This is your main guy. This is your story after all. And if you are playing a character that you don't want to be, that you don't trust, that you don't enjoy, which character do you want to play? Having said what I've said about finding Christmas a playtime for myself, I can get drawn into getting it right. I can get drawn into getting all the things on my list done. I can get drawn into this kind of picture-perfect, other cookies baked um, way of doing things, probably because I'm modelling an awful lot of these Hallmark movies, thinking about it. Um, and when I do that, I'm actually aligning myself with a characterization of a main character that I wouldn't enjoy very much in a film. I wouldn't enjoy watching somebody do it perfectly. The characters we love in films are the ones with endearing flaws, the ones who let themselves relate first, perform second, and and I think when I, when I think of the character I want to see leading my story, it's one who has a lot more pause, less reactivity, who can tolerate more mess, who really savours the cookies. And that can give me a template to work with. Sometimes it can be really helpful to work with these archetypes when we don't feel like we have much practice or much data for who we want to be in our real life. And so I, I extend that invitation to you today as well. You're going to have potentially a sense of the character who gets it right. Fine. But if you can pause that one just for a second and focus on the character you would like most <laughs> to see in the film, to see in your story, that might be a slightly different person. And what would that person be doing right now? How would that person be engaging with the situations you're facing? 
mine would probably allow herself to run late. Not do that extra gift for that extra person who isn't even expecting it. Because that person, that character that I would rather be, doesn't need to be the hero, actually. They're the main character, but they don't need to be the hero. They don't need to be so protecting of their self-image. They don't need to make sure everybody loves her. They can just show up totally at peace and comfortable with themselves and enjoying themselves. And that's the story I want to invite you into this season. Whatever that is for you, what's the story where you're enjoying yourself? And both words in that phrase, enjoying yourself, really matter. There's the joy bit, that's obvious. But enjoying yourself is not just having fun. I'm inviting here that kind of slightly at a distance gaze where you are watching yourself enjoy. You are offering yourself being seen. You're willing to see yourself joyful, but you're also joyfully gazing. Does that distinction make sense? You are choosing to look at yourself and smile at yourself because you are pleased with yourself and you are enjoying watching yourself enjoy (laughs) that's a lot of joy and watching and all those are the words I hope that landed because if you aren't enjoying your story and if you aren't fully approving and on your own side what kind of story is this anyway you're wonderful And you're deserving of a story that notices you're wonderful. And we're so familiar growing up with all the conflicting stories that we inhabit. It can take intention and it can take time and commitment to yourself. At a time where you're probably extra tired, jet lagged, dealing with international and multicultural situations. And you deserve all the good things. I'd love to hear from you your thoughts about this. But for now, thank you so much for listening. And uh, all the best for the season. Until next time, take care of you. Bye.